Am I supposed to wait for something? Or? No, I was waiting for you. Just... Oh, just start? Yeah. Welcome back to Welcome Matt's Podcast. Uh, today, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the college admission scandal uh, that has been in the news lately. So, uh, <clears throat> let's see, to a little bit of background. This is from an article off of Market Watch, and it says prosecutors charged 50 parents, college coaches, and college exam administrators in connection with a nationwide scam alleged to involve cheating on college entrance exams and falsely passing off students as athletic recruits. Full House alumna Lori Laughlin, her fashion designer husband Massimo Giannulli, and Desperate Housewives actress Felicity Huffman were among those accused of being involved. So this is big news for two reasons. One is because we have these celebrities that are caught up in a scandal, which everyone loves. And then two, uh, they were cheating the system of academics that we put such emphasis on. So um, I don't know. What were your thoughts when you first heard this? I honestly had no idea what was going on. I saw I saw it on Twitter, and then I was like, I don't know what's happening here. It was, yeah, it, it definitely took, like, some looking into, because you see these names, you see, like, the, the, the tagline, the headline, the title, whatever, and you're thinking, like, what? Like, is yeah. this, is this real? What's like going a, on? I a little deep dive yeah, into this. For and sure. I was like, wait, so how did they get into school? What? What is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, my parents would never do that for me. Yeah. We're so, also not rich enough. <laughs> So, like, uh, they, um, this, it's been going on for a while, and I don't think anyone's been sentenced yet. I know they're looking at, like, time. Yeah, I thought the, the last I saw, I think it was, like, um, what's her name was about to get, like, two-ish years, up to two years. Oh, was it? Okay. I think that was the last, but I don't think they, well, they were sentenced. I think it okay. was just, uh. Because, yeah, the last thing I heard was, like, the max they were facing was, like, 40 which they probably weren't going to get, but it was like that seems that seems yeah. a little ridiculous to get forty. <laughs> but it's kind of like, well, you you're looking at forty, you're probably going to get at sometime at least five. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at two, yeah. So uh, there's um, two issues that I wanted to talk about with this, and um, we'll start first with the importance that these parents have placed on getting into a good college um, regardless of their academic capabilities mm. or you know and even achievements right like they really wanted their kids to go to a good college and we are a part I think of a culture that really puts emphasis on this so being, you know, you and I are both uh, California born and raised. So the system we grew up with is the UC system, the state college system, the uh, community college system. So like people tend to rank uh, the kind of status with which level of college you've gone to. And so people say like, oh, yeah, what college you go to? Like, and that's like a pretty common question that people yeah. ask. And then someone's like, oh, you know, I went to UC Irvine or something. And then you automatically have these assumptions of what kind of person that that person is, right? Asian. <laughs> so, like, just statistically wise, the yeah. likelihood is very high for them to be Asian. 
um, supposedly they would get along with other Asians very well mm -hmm. because if you went to a school that was such a, a high percentage of Asians. And then um, I think a stereotypical thing is that if you are in a UC, then you must be either smarter, harder working, have a better like study ethic or something than someone who went to like a state school or That's me. Yeah, state school. <laughs> state school or a uh, community college, which for me couldn't be further from the truth. You know, like and I don't know, I at some point in my life I probably assumed the same, but like it's been a long time since I've really thought of uh, the world or college in that way that like, oh, if you went to a UC, then you are better in some shape or form than someone who went to a state school or like a community college. And um, it, it really doesn't serve as any kind of benchmark. And I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting across from you. <laughs> what are you but, trying to say? <laughs> but uh, just the idea that wherever you went to for college, means something is, I don't know, I definitely think it's been instilled with us, uh, I think as children, because mm -hmm. I know my mom yeah. really wanted me to go to UC Berkeley because my dad went there, his siblings went there, it's the you know top UC, mm -hmm. and so she wanted me to go there. And when I didn't go in there, she was like upset. And She also wanted you to stay home. Yeah, I mean, that, so. <laughs> that was also probably part of it. Uh, but like, I, it just, it didn't really matter to me, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I didn't get in there. I, I mean, I didn't want to go there because it wasn't Berkeley, but part of me too was kind of like, well, I don't really, it doesn't matter that much. Right. Right. right, right. I'm just trying to like kind of shoot high and I, I applied for UCs and then, you know, they say like schools that you're probably more likely to get into. Um, but I don't know. I, I went to the, the campus and I enjoyed the feel of like the people and, um, knew some people there and it seemed like a good place to go so I don't know I I didn't go based on like the idea that oh I'm going to this great university but I also right. like didn't really go to I don't know further my career I suppose it was just like I know I have you to go to more of a stepping stone yeah I have to go get a like, like an yeah. undergraduate degree so I can go to graduate school right. not like I gotta get the the best grades at the best school to get into that next thing or to get the to best get into job that one school yeah IBS. That uh, to get into a career that is missing like half the workforce. <laughs> no big. No yeah. big. The, the school that accepts almost everybody that applies. <laughs> so um, that was one thing. I don't know. Uh, do you have any experience with that kind of attitude or uh, like mentality, I guess? Yeah. I think, I mean, for like both of us, I think a lot of our friends have gone to like those top tier mm -hmm. per se mm -hmm. you see or i mean like uc schools like ucla and like berkeley and stuff but i have a lot of friends that have gone through the community college system mm -hmm. and go like just to sac state or mm -hmm. or long beach or things like that i mean we even have friends that have jumped around to a new school every year yeah and still graduated yeah i don't know how he did it <laughs> Yeah, and so I will try not to get too specific because there's probably people who listen to this podcast or people who listen to podcasts who know our friends, but there are people in my experience that have gone to good universities, have gone to like, you know, University of California, they've gone to UCs, and they're 
not really they don't have anything to show for it you know like the kind yeah. of like jobs mm-hmm. that they have or the life that they're living you know if it's like outside their means yeah. or they're uh you know they can't find a job where they think they deserve like a better job because yeah, they went to yeah, a school yeah. or something like that like I, yeah and you definitely hear stories like that where people go to like the like again like the top tier schools like even stanford and things like that and then they get out and they're like oh that job is beneath me i'm not gonna take it but it, that's like the stepping stone to the job they actually feel they deserve. Right, right. We, we've put so much emphasis on the importance of education that people don't recognize the necessity of job experience. Right. And so they think, oh, I've got this degree from this school. I'm not going to take this job where it's like, no, no, you got to take this job in order to mm-hmm. like get somewhere else. They're not just going to like out the door because you studied really hard. Yeah. And it's know? funny too, because like a lot of jobs now, they, I mean, they'll ask for your transcripts in terms of just making sure that you've graduated with the degree you say you graduated in, but they're not really looking as much at your GPA. It's more like what job experience do you have and what can you bring to whatever company you're working for or whatever jobs you're going to be doing kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so if you have someone who perhaps didn't go to the best school, but they put in work, did all the internships, did all the internships yeah, yeah, yeah. and they can can show uh, someone who's offering a job, mm-hmm. look, this is what I can do. It's going to look a lot better than someone who has zero job experience, but they have like a yeah. 4.0. It's right. like, okay, you know, maybe you know a thing or two, but what can you really show me? Yeah, and it's the way you apply those things that you know too because mm-hmm. somebody might not know everything in the book, but if they are able to apply it to their work better than somebody who does know everything, then they already have a leg up. Right, exactly. So that's – it's a – aspect you know especially as tuition is becoming more and more increasing oh, it's wild. expensive right like it's, wild. it's it's bad how we emphasize the importance of going to a good uh university when the reality is uh it doesn't make someone any better than another person or like a candidate better than another candidate uh and hopefully we can get out of that mentality you know out of that way of you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with the question, like, what college you go to? Because, you know, it's it's fun to, like, talk about it. We can yeah. have shared experiences feel, and stuff. And then a lot of times I feel like it's not to necessarily judge someone mm-hmm. about how smart they are. Right. But then you do it subconsciously. You're like, yeah. oh, well, you went to this school. But I think a lot of times, I mean, for at least for, like, me, I'm like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Right, right. Yeah. Because they did NSU at right. Irvine we, or whatever. We do have like a very tight-knit community yeah. in the J community. So yeah, like, that's true. Odds are if you went to a school that someone else I know went to, you guys probably met up at yeah. some sort of event. Or dated. Or Yeah. That, I mean, it, that's how tight-knit it is. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, like that's one way of you know going about it, and that's fine. But hopefully we can get outside of this mentality of thinking like, what college you go to so I can kind of size you up. I can mm-hmm. see where you are in regards to me when that's not the question. You know, it's like, where do you, you know, where have you been in life? Or, you know, what are you doing right now? Where do you see yourself going? Like those questions are more meaningful than, you know, like, oh, what college you go to? Because right. like anyone can spend a bunch of money four years, get some kind of garbage degree, and then, you know, what are you going to do with it? It's in my spare bedroom. (laughs) What do you mean? It's sitting on the ground in there. Yeah, so... Collecting dust. Exactly. I don't know. I know which one was it. Graduation, the Kanye West album. Yeah. Where he's like, he got these degrees. Get these degrees. Get these degrees. I'm going to stay warm with these degrees. (laughs) Yeah. Classic Kanye. 
Yeah, but and, and it brings up like this great point again, where you know, like, what is what are your degrees really gonna do? Yeah, they'll keep you warm when you're dead, but like, other than that, it's not gonna help you uh, feed your family necessarily. Yeah, and help you get further in life. Like, you gotta put in put in that work, which is a great segue into like the next point that I was trying to make. If you take away this uh idea that you got to put in work if you take away the opportunity for people to persevere then you are robbing them of this necessary life experience um it's important for kids to struggle and if you don't allow them to do that you might feel good in the short term but in the long term you'll end up uh having children that were because they were raised in a certain way they'll end up not being able to cope with life uh in real real in real world ways yeah and i think even doing in doing that you kind of create the sense of entitlement within those kids Mm. that they feel like these things should go their way and it's kind of like that whole bad rap that millennials get of feeling like they're entitled because they feel like they deserve jobs handed to them which i don't think that's necessarily the case but it's definitely like <laughs> it's the stigma that we get i guess but i think you know going through those failures and like how we were talking about going to college and applying to colleges but not getting in it that's kind of the realization where like oh i need to work harder then or even when once you get to the college that you wanted to go to it's realizing that you know you have to step up how you study too because those schools are way more competitive i mean berkeley is more competitive than like going to sex state or something like that in that way yep absolutely 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 so uh going back to this uh article on market watch and looking at the message that this kind of action teaches the children they're uh they quote Uh, Eileen Kennedy Moore, the author of Kid Confidence, Help Your Child Make Friends, Build Resilience, and Develop Real Self-Esteem. And uh, she's also a psychologist in private practice. So she says that these parents, uh, they are also painting a very narrow view of what success looks like and modeling a morally bankrupt attitude that it's okay to lie and cheat to get what you want. Uh, But especially now the scam is public, the message that they're sending their kids is, I don't have faith that you are capable of succeeding based on your own skills and hard work, and I don't believe you're strong enough to cope with disappointment. So this this message that uh, these parents are sending their kids, um, it if you hear it like how this psychologist is saying it, it sounds awful, right? (laughs) It's just like, I don't believe in you. And obviously it's not that simple because... Uh, their parents and you know like uh, neither one of us are parents so we don't truly know but I can definitely try to you know sympathize with that side of it that you want your kids to do well you want them to be set you don't want them to struggle or you don't want to see them struggle right because it hurts you it's hard for you to see that see your own kids struggling so I get it from that point but you know who who really benefits from this action you know like if if they're going to uh, struggle later on in life because of it but you get this kind of like oh i but it's okay because my kids are looking okay then you know like yeah you're doing it really for yourself um uh, <clears throat> also uh 
let's see. She uh, this article um, quotes uh, another author. Um, where is it? Okay, quotes an author, uh, Linda Linda Kaplan Thaler or Thaler T H A L E R, co-author of Grit to Great: How Perseverance, Passion, and Pluck Take You from Ordinary to Extraordinary. Uh, she talks about that um, trying to present opportunities to enlighten parents and kids that success is not determined by the college that you attend. Um, Success is determined by your perseverance, your resilience, and your grit. So as we were talking about earlier, uh, how we recognize people's universities and connect that, the education, to who they are as people, uh, going in the the broader sense that um, success itself needs to be defined differently. You know, like what what it means to succeed. And perhaps to succeed is not the end goal, right? It's not uh, the the great job. It's not the big house or the money or the, even the, you know the security. Maybe that's not it. That's not what success is, uh, because if you send that kind of message that they don't have to go through anything to get it, then the message is then you don't have to do a thing, which is, you know, ties into what you were saying about the the millennials, right? If the goal is attaining that end, then going through any means to get it and giving it to your children and as children, not doing anything to earn it. Um, that's the kind of life that they're understanding. Uh, let's see. She, she continues on and says that um, <clears throat> they, let's see. Kids don't learn from failure, but they do learn from picking themselves up after failure by tolerating the disappointment, moving on, trying again, or perhaps focusing on different goals. Uh, And then this is kind of continued by uh, Robert Brooks, a clinical psychologist and the author of Raising Resilient Children. They're not permitting their kids to learn how to deal with setbacks and obstacles or how to cope with stress. All kids are going to face obstacles and disappointments, and if they learn to cope with it, it only makes them stronger. So there's this, uh, uh, continuing with this idea that not just uh, hard work or perseverance, but actually just having to deal with difficulties in life is integral to um, kids growing up because it teaches them how to pick themselves up, right? Like, uh, it's not so much the failure itself that um, makes the kids stronger, but it's what you do following that. Um, I don't, I don't even know where to go from there. Cause it's like, all right, well, is there, is there like a specific failure in your mind or maybe just an attitude that you have towards failure that has like helped you throughout life? I don't know about failure. Maybe like just the struggle in general, but mm-hmm. like the struggle, like for me being in Boy Scouts and kind of like always wanting to stop, but then having to keep going and then finally getting my eagle, like looking back on it now, it feels like I grew a lot from that experience, but mm-hmm. like in real time, right, right. it definitely felt like I was just like, why am I doing this? Like <laughs> nails on the chalkboard forever. But I don't know. I think, I mean, I think we all go through struggles and that's what kind of helps us grow. Like that article was saying, but I, I don't know. I think for some people that are handed so much, it feels like, they aren't, I don't know, getting better. 
it's kind of just like remaining stagnant in terms of your maturity and like your ability to be resilient. Yeah. So it's, it's really important for people to develop uh, a resilience because uh, within Buddhism, we're taught that inevitably things are not going to go our way. So (laughs) we have to be able to be resilient in order to, to keep going because it, you know, I don't know, it can be easy to, not want to go on or not want to deal with uh struggles anymore and that's when you know you start to live this kind of half-life of not ever trying yeah so nothing will ever go wrong i Um, live that life every day at work (laughs) i'm just kidding i don't do that i work hard i promise yeah for uh for me it was interesting uh i don't know how much like failure i've really had in the workplace uh because like you know if i try to put on an event and only one person comes up you know like i suppose to a certain extent you know i can see that as like a failure but it's nice to get something out of it because then i get one-on-one you know like time with this person but then it's like okay well how can i improve this next time or try something different yeah and i think that's where the growth comes from is trying to make it better and better and then but i do think in that way like these kids are being cheated of trying to better themselves right right absolutely better themselves uh and yeah like i was saying there was not a ton from work maybe that has been too impactful for me but it's been more with my like personal relationships yeah uh i think before we've talked about perhaps you know our romantic relationships and what you know we could have done differently or better and that's definitely uh not to like toot our own horns, but a sign of like growth, you know, whereas like if you don't pull anything from it, then I don't know, you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. Right. Uh, but there was something that stands out to me just as we were like talking about this was uh, a friend of mine used to be a friend of mine. Um, and I would hang out. We'd like talk about psychology stuff and it was cool because she was able to, um, have those kind of conversations with me where I could like bounce off these kind of technical ideas. Uh, but we actually, our friendship ended because, and I can't even remember why, but I said something like real cold or it must've been real cold because yeah, you do that sometimes because <laughs> you, you be like that sometimes. Cause she like, cause we were, we were texting, I think, or messaging or something. And then she messaged back. Like you have, no idea how to empathize and it kind of like hit me really hard like oh that's not good (laughs) especially because i i like how it wasn't you're wrong i do know how to empathize i like how you're just like yeah you're right (laughs) that hurts cuts me deep (laughs) because like i i always and i think at that time too i was like trying to learn how to empathize or, or I thought I was making progress with like empathizing, you know, trying to understand where people are coming from, their feelings and all that kind of stuff. And for this person who I respected their opinion, you know, I, I admired them and, and was a good friend for them to like come back with that. And then essentially like never talk to me again was, uh, something where I could very, honestly call a failure you know as far as like personal relations relationships go as far as conversations go (laughs) as far as empathizing goes you know like it it was a failure and um i could have 
try to maybe reconnect or iron it out or something. And maybe now if it had happened again, I would try to do that. But it instead really forced me to look at myself and decide what I wanted to do with that information, you know, like, cause you, cause you did point out, like, I could have said you're wrong, right? Like, I don't think so or something, Mm -hmm. but I think, I don't know if like deep down I knew it was true or I always knew it was true and I was agreeing or it, it just took something like that. It was just too real for you. (laughs) It took something to me like to, to wake up or something. But I, I started to seriously, um, try to develop that kind of, uh, feeling that kind of empathy to try to see, you know, how other people think, how they feel, how they are, um, other than, you know, how I am, I yeah. guess. So like that was kind of a, a big example in my life where there was a failure, but, um, hopefully I've gotten better, you know, and maybe not. I, I, I I'm, still the worst. I could be, a, could be terrible at yeah. it, but at the very least, I'm aware of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the good thing, and I think we both kind of have stories in terms of like relationships where we feel like we've both failed, but grown from it. Mm-hmm. But I think like that kind of failure, that's the kind of failure that like keeps you humble. Yeah. And it definitely like pushes you to try harder in your next relationship, whether it's a friendship or like a romantic relationship or any way, but you try to grow from that and like kind of, avoid those potholes again yeah but i don't know i i do think i mean i don't know if like college admissions and like yeah. our personal failures are the same kind of thing yeah. but yeah it's definitely like if no one ever tells you you're not doing a good job yeah then you'll never know and you just keep doing the same thing and you keep like pushing people away and not even realize it right yeah and then i guess i don't know again this, this also just kind of came up to me well like uh you were talking about um, like college and no one telling you you're doing or people not telling you that you're not doing a good job or yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of a confusing sentence. Yeah. <laughs> but like you got it. Yeah. You got it in the end. I came back around because I because I failed a class my senior year in high school because I didn't do any homework. Um, so Senior I had to like, ice. yeah, I had to like write a letter to, you know, like the college and be like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen again, mm-hmm. which inevitably it did, but, uh, but they never knew. <laughs> they never knew. Yeah. They never knew until it happened again. Yeah. So, but the, it's funny because like the, probably the, one of the classes I remember, uh, the most was this introduction class. So it was, you know, I was a religious studies major. I took religious studies 100, right? Like the basic upper division class. And I got like a C in that class, but it was one of the most meaningful C's to me because my professor for that class, um, you know, I turned in an essay based on, and I still remember this too, the topic was like logos, like this Greek idea of like the, the fabric of the universe. And I had no idea what it was about. I tried, but it was just bad and I gave it to him and and the one thing I appreciate was that he had office hours where everyone had to go in and discuss their paper, like the grade that mm. they got. And so I went in and he's like, you know what? It looks like you just threw up on the page and like turned it in, which was absolutely right. Because like, I, I was like, I don't know. I'll just do this and turn it in. Calling it like he sees it. Yeah. <laughs> and so like that, that really pushed me. You know, he took the time and effort to read it, to really criti- critically go over it and then like kind of push me to get to the point that 
he wanted right. us to find. And because of that, I always, I mean, I don't know his name. I vaguely remember what he looks like, but like Dang that, cold. <laughs> that experience has stuck with me of like, oh, this is, you know, one of the steps that I take. This is kind of how I go about things. And that's okay, but, you know, it takes some polishing, it takes some other stuff, and it takes more effort. And I wouldn't understand that I wouldn't put that kind of effort in if, you know, he didn't give me that C. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's important for us to have these setbacks, to have these obstacles, to push ourselves to do more, to, to work harder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were saying in the article that the idea of uh, grit of perseverance without any of that we don't achieve anything really worthwhile and it is it is the purpose i mean not excuse me not it is the purpose it is the process that is the purpose right because uh like like i was saying the the my friendship it failed we didn't make up that that nothing good came from that there is no success there and the same thing with my my grade i got a c i didn't i didn't raise it up to an a or anything it was a middling grade but I felt like they were very important parts of who I am and made me better of who I am today, even though um, I have nothing to show for it, you know? And so, like, I think we we get too caught up in what can we show as our success when that's not what success should be defined as. It should be the process. Yeah. I will say that the that, I mean, you kind of said that you have nothing to show for both those things. But I think that's kind of the point of failure is that maybe there's no immediate um, showing for like what you've failed at doing or like what you got a middling grade on, but it's everything that comes after that too, because now you have relationships where you do are able to empathize with people and like you're married now. So obviously you are not a trash human being like you used to be, (laughs) (laughs) but even like, even like with your grade, I think you work very hard at like understanding everything and, kind of even like doing the research for this podcast and stuff like all of that comes from because you weren't able to or because you got called out in that class by your professor so that event in itself doesn't give you any anything to show for it like immediately but it does affect the rest of your life yeah absolutely absolutely so like the the, the closing uh paragraph in this market watch uh, article is uh, they're they're going over you know different things that you can do um, to help raise kids that uh, aren't you know rotten spoiled I guess uh, but the, the final one is consider what actually makes your kids happy what truly produces joy and meaning uh, it might be spending time with family or friends living a simple life within your means or traveling the world on a budget and working odd jobs that's a much better research task than the rankings of the U.S. News and World Report. So, um, let's see. Oh, oh, and then before that, it's, it also says, we need to help our kids move beyond that by helping them focus on learning and developing genuine competence, building those intimate relationships where they feel known and valued, and making choices that express their values and connect them with something bigger than themselves. So that kind of idea that success is, is that, is learning, is developing, is building important relationships, uh, is feeling known and valued and expressing themselves, their values and connecting like that's that's success. And, and again, like uh, you were mentioning, there's nothing that I have to show for my success in the same way. Uh, all of these 
um, different measures would have nothing that you could physically show anyone, you know, as far as success is con- concerned. But at the at the end of the day, uh, the the feeling that you have, the life that you're living, that's the success. That's yeah. what really is going to give you the the joy, the sense of fulfillment. Did did, did you want to talk about this other article? Well, yeah, I was gonna think about what we. Hold on, let me pause this. Go ahead. So continuing with uh, this idea of shifting what it means to be successful, uh, I think it ties into the idea of Buddhist non-attachment. And, you know, a lot of times when people think of non-attachment, they think of the very literal sense of possessions, which... Again, you know, we shouldn't be super attached to any of our possessions because one, nothing actually is owned by anyone. <laughs> like I love my cell phone. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't live without it. And then uh, two, everything is subject to uh, impermanence. So like you can't keep anything forever. Inevitably, something will will either disintegrate, leave, whatever. You'll lose it. Um, so that way, if you're not attached to it, then you won't cause you suffering. But even more so than that, having an attachment to uh, an idea of what success looks like is uh, one way of looking at it. Um, but even more so, I think um, the idea of success that is something that we can ever actually have, like, is... Um, something that's not healthy as far as like our, I don't know, spirituality is concerned, I guess. So like if you imagine right now what success would look like, you know, like being on a, I don't know, in a, in a beach with a nice car or something. I don't know what this would look like, but like, would you actually be happy? And like the, yeah, you probably would be for like, a week yeah or like a month then i'd buy something else right to keep me happy right and then you'd it's want... more like the chasing of the short-term happiness than finding some kind of long-term fulfillment in your life exactly so like if you can be non-attached to the idea that the goal is important right and then also being non-attached to what that goal is in your mind then it'll help you to open yourself up to uh achieve an actual fulfilling life and and then i guess this also ties into the idea of living in the now where like to focus on the moment is what is important uh which you know we break down into the like you should stop and smell the roses but to widen it to more of a i don't know this month or this year or something like that like to live in the present would be to understand that it's important to struggle it's important to go through these difficult times it's important to develop that perseverance as we're living because that's where our sense of fulfillment comes afterwards you know at the uh after we're able to get through it after we're, we're able to look back and say hey you know what that really was not fun but it was important and mm-hmm. it helped me to become like a better person so you know these two ideas of non-attachment and then living uh, in the present um, they're really important to us finding this kind of fulfillment in our lives to finding that kind of 
um, I suppose I won't say peace because like there is that like struggle. Yeah. But uh, a life that feels worthwhile, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think a lot of people have struggle finding like meaning in their life? I don't know. I mean, I, I that's hard to say. I think that from the, in a day to day way, yeah, people don't even think about it. Yeah. But I think like when you step back and try and take this like broad perspective of your life, yeah. then people are like, what am I doing? Why, why am I here? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I kind of think that sometimes when yeah. I'm at my job, sometimes I'm just like, why am I working here? <laughs> I could be doing something else, but what would I be doing? Kind of thing. But it's the, I don't know. I don't know. Do you, you, I mean, you became a minister. That's all you've ever wanted to do. So yeah. do you feel like, I don't know, this is your happiness? Do you feel like you're, like, successful now, I guess? No. <laughs> I, I feel like I can't look back at, like, my body of work and be like, yeah, I did something with my life. I haven't, I haven't like, done enough yet. What are you talking about? You created a podcast that about 30 people listen to an episode. If, if nothing else comes of this, that will be my success. Or, or your failure because you my, only re- reached 30 yeah. people and they're all your friends. <laughs> so, like, that uh, – I mean, I, I I think that this idea of, you know, waking up one day and thinking, like, oh, where am I coming – what am I doing in my life? Like, mm-hmm. it, it used to be a midlife crisis. And, you know, now we're right. seeing more of the quarter-life crisis. What is it? Shout out to the – 25-year-olds. <laughs> That did we go over that in Technowuda? Was that the pop up? Was that something else? I can't remember. Maybe I don't know. I wasn't. Oh there. no, no, no! It remember, was, I wasn't there. I got a tattoo. No, no. So it was. It was another Technowuda. I think it was oh. um, Reverend Akahoshi's son, mm-hmm. um, Kirk. Kirk Akahoshi. Uh-huh. He he had a seminar on this at one of the Technowudas about like the quarter life crisis. So that was an interesting idea to me um, because when I went, I think I wasn't a quarter century old yet. So I wasn't like quite there. I was still kind of pushing through school. So mm. going through school, you're, there's still like an end in sight. Whereas if you start working, yeah. I guess retirement, but like even then, yeah, I got 30 more years to put in. <laughs> yeah. So the, you know, that, that idea of like, Oh man, like what am I doing? I don't know. Sometimes, um, not so much recently because I feel I've gotten into kind of a groove, but yeah. like when, when things have been kind of tough, then, you know, I think like, is this really? Is this it? Is yeah. this what I want to be doing? Yeah, but then that's kind of like where the fail or like the the beauty of the failure comes in is mm-hmm. where like you feel like and maybe failure is not the right word, maybe like disappointment mm-hmm. because you feel like you're doing so well at your job and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, and that's like the struggle there, and then that's kind of where you start to grow and like, oh well, now I found a new like, I don't know. What's it called? Inspiration. Yeah. I yeah. guess into being better at my job. Right. Absolutely. And and there aren't like a whole lot of uh I don't know, checks and balances, I guess, like for myself. Because if you have a if very you show up on Sunday, <laughs> basically done it. So right. So like most jobs, you have a very specific set of responsibilities. And then you have a superior who yeah. ensures that you are following through on those responsibilities. Right. And then if it's something outside of your scope, then it's like, I don't have to worry about it. If it's in your scope, then, you know, you got to work harder at it. But for me, I don't really answer to any like one person. Right. And I don't have like one set 
like set of responsibilities Mm -hmm. and so like essentially anything could be seen as my responsibility or none of it could be anything could be seen as my success or none of it could be so like all of these things it's all really like muddied it's it's all very gray so in that in that way uh because there's no one really um as my superior it's up to me to find that inspiration it's up to me to really find that drive and without those kinds of uh, failures or or me and my experiences and having to deal with perseverance, I wouldn't be able to push myself. Mm. So like it's important that I do that and hopefully I continue to do that. I continue yeah. to to push myself to um to find inspiration to to get to that point where, you know, I'm I'm I don't know, maybe like you said, it'll come up and be like, what am I doing? Like what am I doing? Why have I been doing this for so long? And why did I spend thirty years doing this? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll I'll try something different. Yeah. You know, which is I don't know. And I guess while we're talking about the ministry, that's why there's a lot of second career ministers is because yeah. mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point people are like, What have I been doing my entire life? <laughs> they want to try something yeah. different, something more meaningful. But then I think in that way, like that's how Buddhism helps is that it gives you that sense of like Satisf- or not satisfaction, but like like what we were saying, like that spiritual fulfillment, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a lot of people work because they like their jobs enough where they aren't going to quit. Yeah, but it's more so they can get the money to do the things they really want to do. Right. I and and I I hear this a lot, and I agree is that people look for purpose in their lives, and if the purpose of your job is to get money so you can do what you actually want, then it serves its purpose yep. and your job is its purpose and like all that. But then, you know, if you get a point in your life where I don't like my job, the, the money that I make, I don't really need it. I don't, you know, I'm not doing what I want with my life because of the hours or whatever it is when you, you get to that point. Um, hopefully it's not too late that you can like do something about it. But you know, then, um, Ideally, early on, you could realize that and realize, oh, this is not what I want. I want to do something else. Yeah. Uh, but it does take some self-awareness for sure to to recognize it. And hopefully you can find a job that you uh, find purpose in. And like it's it's easy as a minister to find purpose in my job. Right. Right. Like yeah. I can I can say pretty easily this is why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. And Especially because you're able to like almost see it immediately. Yeah. With basically. like your relationships with people. Right. And like how that grows. Right. Or, like, how you are inter- or how you are affecting the Sangha. Yeah. Like, more people are coming and things like that. I think in that way, like your job is easier to see the, I don't know, benefit yeah, of it. My impact the, of yeah, it. The, yeah. Yeah. The impact. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, a lot of people when they get mad that they don't have purpose, there there is like a, this sense of like, what kind of impact do I have on the world? Mm-hmm. You know, if if I'm replaceable and nothing I'm doing makes a difference to anyone, like why why am I doing this? Yeah. But again, you know, if you can if you can find purpose in what it is that you do, that it's oh I'm I just gotta get to this job so I can go home to see my family, you yeah. know, and I can feed mm-hmm. them, or I can go on that trip to Hawaii, you know, right. whatever. Like as long as there's that that sense of meaning in your life. Uh, that you can justify what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, then you can uh, live with that kind of sense of fulfillment. So I don't know. I guess like the the Buddhist side of that would be to really be self aware of your own emotions, your own understanding, your own path in life. Uh, it doesn't matter what lifestyle you have, but making sure that lifestyle is really what is going to be giving you 
uh, that sense of purpose. So it's up to us, each of us individually, to really recognize who we are in this world and what we're doing. Um, and that doesn't come about without uh, some kind of self-awareness and inevitably without uh, failure, without having those kinds of conversations with people, with yourself, of what you're doing in life and being okay with failing, being okay with picking the wrong job, being okay with coming up with setbacks and then moving past it, having the tenacity to to continue to move on and grow from it. Yeah. Sounds good. Yep, that sounds awesome. That was a pretty good way to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. Okay, Uh, you can uh, find me on Instagram. Um, I was was tweeting a little bit more, tweeting a little bit less. Maybe I'll start tweeting a little bit more. Uh, Rev Matt Hama. Um, How about you? Uh, The same stuff as usual. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat. I use none of the above, but try to use all of the above at the underscore Matt Nader. Um, please email us or follow our Instagram account at wel- the wel- Welcome Matt's Pod. What, what is it? Is it the Welcome Matt's Pod? I think it's the Welcome Matt's Pod. Or is it just Welcome Matt's Pod? I don't know. I should know because I run it. Yeah. And we Who run this mother? <laughs> we did get an email and we will get to those topics. Yeah, we'll see. It's just Welcome Matt's Pod. Oh, Welcome Matt's Pod. Welcome Matt's Pod. Okay. Yeah. But you can always find it in the link. In the bio. Oh, very good. All right. Um, I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Yep. We still don't have an outro. No, yeah. Run the intro. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.